everyone. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Barb Knows Best, the podcast. I'm your co-host, Michelle Maros, and I sit here across from my lovely mother, Barb. Hello, Barb. Hi, Michelle. Hi. Hi, Mom. Yeah. What's happening today? How's it going being you? I was going to ask you the same <laughs> I knew thing. You were. And I've heard I from I'd quite you to it. I've heard from quite a few people who really love that phrasing of asking people how they are. Yeah. So kudos to you. Yeah. Knowing best, proving us correct in the title of this podcast, I suppose. <laughs> well, I think we talked about why I love that so much is every time I mean most of you, all of you listening. When someone says, how are you? What is your usual answer? Fine. I think that's what I just said to you. Yeah. Fine. Good. So when you say, how's it going being you? It, it is a built in that you have to pause for a second because it kind of takes you aback. You can't, it, it, I just have noticed for me anyway, when someone well, asks me that, you have to pause for a second and say, well, how is it going being me? And like, <laughs> there are sometimes when I've answered the question by saying, not sucks. great today. Sucks. Or sucks. Yeah. Or not great today. And interestingly too, I think it separates you yourself from your experiences. Like, yes. how's it going being me today? I'm personally feeling great in my own yes. life and skin, but crazy stuff could be happening around me. Yes. Um, so I, it's a separation of the outside and the inside. Michelle. Which we love. You are wise beyond your years, which is what I, I have said for a long time. I must have gotten it from some lady named Barb, I think. <laughs> no. Um, you're amazing. As are you. Yeah. Oh, Aww. look, we start. So let's move on. Let's, that's about, you know, <laughs> time to go. Two minutes of patting ourselves on the back well, and I, we move on. I think this episode has us a lot more. I feel more playful and more giddy Well, because I, I'm guiding this ship and you are just <laughs> along for the ride. So but, you're like sitting back. This isn't like last week's episode where it was very heavy and more focused right, on yes. your traumatic narrative this week, week it's on heavy. me so yes. you're singing a happy tune over there well and driving here today you I was just kind of laughing as I was sitting in the car and you kept she saying was. what are you laughing at I just feel very lighthearted. that's lovely this is how it is being me today I feel very lighthearted. I'm so grateful to have this community to every single week to come and talk to with you be in conversation with you and I'm really looking forward to this episode I it's, think it's going to reveal I believe it's going to reveal some amazing insights and feelings and truths yeah. about what it's like to be us. Us. <laughs> and it is true. I kept looking over and she was just laughing to herself. But I will say you and many of my teachers, my yoga teacher and even another meditation teacher that I took classes from, and you've said it my whole life too, that when you reach a certain point in your quote unquote, spiritual journey, when you've gone through meditation and tapped into yourself, you kind of tap into a bit of a childlike joy. Like the person that I think of as an example is the Dalai Lama, yes. who always has, you know, a childlike smile, kind of um, is giddy and, you know, chuckles to himself if, if you've ever seen him or, or listened to him speak. And that was kind of you in the car. So yeah, you're a little, our little... Well, I think it goes back to, you're right, Dalai Lama. you're right, you're right. Being on retreat with the Dalai Lama and all the great spiritual, educational, inspirational teachers I've been on retreat with, all of them say a version of it, but he really truly is the example, Epitome. mentally, physically, spiritually. But all of them say that if you 
if you can't find the if you can't find the playfulness in your practice, which for me and what all of all of these teachers were saying in your life, then it's going to be too hard. It's going to be really hard to actually live. It's going to be really hard to actually do your practice. So, I have always taken that great advice to heart and thought about it. Like, how can I not be too rigid? And too serious. So I came up with the quote. Take your life seriously. But don't take yourself, take yourself so seriously. seriously. Like really, the life that you want to live is a serious thing. And you want to be able to be in alignment with who you are, making the choices that will lead you to where you want to go. But don't take yourself so seriously. Like be playful, be gentle, be loving, be caring. So Playfulness to me means having great compassion and care and forgiveness for myself. So I'm yeah. in that. I'm in that. Well, I'm in that. I'm in that place today, Michelle. We love it. We love to hear it. I love to see it. Nothing makes me happier than a a smiling chipper Barb. Good. So good. Anyways, yes. So this is a so, interesting. So you know what? Thinking about this week's episode, I feel like this feels like it's going to be one of the more vulnerable episodes for me, much like the episode that we, we discussed, um, where we discussed my relationship with drinking. And I didn't even realize it until we were kind of on our way here. And I felt a little bit anxious about this topic. And I, I think that it shows just how much this conversation, what this conversation that we're going to have brings up for people, but especially women, or my aged women, um, and it even we're gonna get into. It. Anyways, I, I feel anxious, and I feel like it, it's a vulnerable conversation, and I just wanted to say that from the jump. And I felt this. <laughs> this is <laughs> I felt because I've never really. This is some. This is a part of my life that I don't ever really talk about. Not too much in my writing, not too much on social media, not too much anywhere publicly. So it's interesting. And I felt it from you. And so I think it's why I've been a little bit more, not, not detached, but available and not trying to offer my suggestions and engage you in a dialogue about it. Because if you think about it, we've really had, over the years, we've had many conversations about it, I think, yeah. give and take. But but before, usually before recording an episode, we check in with each other and we have mm-hmm. some conversations with each other. We have not done that this time. And I've asked you, Michelle, what do you think? Do you, you want to talk about it? Do you, uh, what would you, any suggestions or whatever? And you said, I'm good, mom. And so I've I've allowed you that space. And I'm bringing this up because- this is a mother-daughter podcast, and this is a mother-daughter. You're my mom. <laughs> this is a mother-daughter thing, and people always ask us, like, how do you guys, how do you guys navigate all of this stuff? And it's never easy, and we do have our pitfalls for sure, which all of you, I think, have felt or seen or heard from us. But there's one thing that I always feel strongly about that we navigate this the best when we can actually allow each other, when we can sense. We always sense something in another person, like I sensed in you that this was going to be vulnerable. And I knew by the topic it was going to be vulnerable, but I also sensed it in your energy and I sensed it in you. So why would I pressure you? Hmm. Or why would I say, oh, come on, honey, let's talk about this. We always do this. (laughs) We can't go into an episode without talking. No, I gave you your space and had the trust, of course. So if any of you listening are parents and you've got daughters or sons, it really is important 
to tap into their energy that they're sending you when they say something and honor it if you can. I mean, if you're sensing it and if you can, mm-hmm. this is the greatest gift that I can give all of you. When people ask me, how do you, all, both of you navigate your relationships? It truly is about allowing the other person when you're, especially when you're sensing something mm-hmm. to let them be and let them guide you to the place of where they need to go to fill you in mm-hmm. or let you in. Definitely. As a child to my parent, that is a very comforting dynamic. So anyways, not to drag you all along, <laughs> keeping you wondering what the heck we're talking about today after almost 10 minutes of talking. I, <laughs> I don't think we've ever really teased the topic out this long. Um, but today I really wanted to talk about the, the concept and the dynamic of um, romantic relationships and um, marriage and the kind of societal pressure that so many of us face of having to tick a bunch of boxes by a certain period of time in your life. Mm. And really, which is why it's kind of so vulnerable for me, what it means to be a single woman in her 30s and um, who has not ever been married. And I want, you know, this has been something that has been percolating for me for quite some time because I'm noticing so many patterns and dynamics and interesting aspects to this topic that, um, that give me a lot of insights into the state of expectation surrounding romantic relationships. You know, like I said, I'm in my mid thirties and I have not been married, which, you know, would not, is not historically speaking, a typical journey for a, you know, heterosexual female. Um, And most people, and I say most, you know, take that with a grain of salt, but have been married and have already started to have kids and buy their houses and, and get into that chapter of their lives, which I have not as of yet. So there's that aspect of it. But what I've also noticed is I have so many girlfriends who are also in the same boat. And and then zooming out even further, I know so many, you know, women in the generation above me who have maybe been married but are now single and are like, you know, what what is this pressure that we always feel that we have to be in a relationship? that we need a man. And, I, and I'm saying this obviously from, like I said, a heterosexual female standpoint, but I think the baseline conversation is that we're made to believe that we need some sort of partner. But I'm just speaking from my experience that the, the pressure has always been, you need a man in your life. Um, and I've noticed women in the older generation, why do I always feel the pressure to need a man? And so all of that combined with this Sensing that society and culture is shifting out of that because I've seen it in my own personal life, but still simultaneously feeling that same pressure of, you know, your clock is ticking, you're getting older, who's going to want to, you know, date you now, all of that stuff still comes up. So it's just a really interesting shift that I wanted to just have a conversation about, and I'll say, you know, humbly from the jump, I have no answers about this. I do not know, um, you know, because I have not 
necessarily gotten to the other side of this conversation. And so often we say, usually when we're going through something, we wait till we get to the other side. But I don't know how my story in this situation ends, but I really wanted to have this conversation because I, I know personally, and I can sense, you know, globally that there are so many people that experience this dynamic in their lives. And I just, like I said, it's vulnerable for me, but I feel like we should break this stigma of, of the single, you know, female, the, um, you know, what's the word? The, um, archetype, stereotype. Yeah. Judgment. <laughs> well, you know, like I have a cat and I'm like, oh God, do people think I'm just like that crazy cat lady? Oh. Um, spinster, spinster, spinster. Um, yes. Like, <laughs> which, which blows my brain because you're in your thirties. All the possibly, but could those you be are a spinster the, those are 30s. the words that come, <laughs> come know, to your consciousness when you're having this conversation and you can feel that from other people sometimes. So my hope is to have a conversation and I think I have it from my personal experience and you have it as a parent experience of, of watching this. And I think what I really wanted you to add to this conversation and I'm so grateful to you for is you've never, ever, ever put the pressure on me. So, um, yeah, that's my long winded intro. I love it. I'm so proud of you. And I have never put the pressure because it's not my pressure to put. I think that's what I would like to say as your mother and as a 65-year-old woman who has also witnessed this happening in life. I have so many friends who are, who are either divorced or, or widowed or just chose not to be married, female friends, who when we go to events, I people will say, oh, don't you feel so sad for her? Mm-hmm. Wow, oh, she must yeah. be so lonely. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I wonder why she's not with someone. I mean, I, and I get enraged inside. So I don't put the pressure on you because who are we to judge anyone else and what it is that they're doing or feeling or choosing in their lives? I have never been one to feel that I'm the authority or the judge of what anyone else, who they choose to love, who they, what they choose for their lives, what they choose to do for their lives. I, I'm just so adamant that that is not okay. And it's not my place. I'm, I'm not comfortable ever doing that because it's not who I am. So I, I love that you're thanking me, but it's, <laughs> no, I think- it's easy, but you're right. Because I do have to say, I, I get what you're saying because I even have friends who have said to me, oh, and, and one, of, one of the friends that I have, their daughter's not in, in her thirties as well and not married and all of that. And, oh, what are we going to do about this? We, we, we got to fix this, Barbara. We got to do something about it. And my answer always is, it's not my place to do anything about it. But also we got to fix this. Exactly. Like it's a a problem. problem that has to be solved. It's crazy. The language around this conversation in and of itself is very fascinating to me. And I think it's why I'm so proud of you for having this conversation, why I'm so happy about it. Because as your mother being on the other side of it and hearing people say things to me like that, this person, this, this person in particular happens to have a daughter and she's like, how can we fix this together? And I just flat out say, look, it's not her place to fix that. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing to fix. Mm -hmm. And you need to back out. Well, how can we back out? We're the mother. I said, and they're an adult and they're choosing and it's their responsibility to choose the life that they're choosing to live. And if they're not happy, then they will figure out what path they need to take to be happy. It's like, she kept 
pressuring me like, well, we got to make them happy. They've got, and it made me crazy. And the other part of it that I just wanted to share really fast is that then the other side of it is I have a whole nother group of friends who all their, all their daughters are married and mm-hmm. all their daughters have kids. How's Michelle? <laughs> How's she doing? <laughs> is she dating anyone? Yeah. Oh, how is that for you? Mm-hmm. Wow. How's she feeling? Is she okay? Is she happy? So I think the whole narrative and the whole conversation, and that's why I'm really thrilled that you have stepped up with courage, but you are, this is who you are. I just want to name that. This is who you are. You are very courageous always to have this conversation. And maybe we'll have more of these because I really feel like part of the work that you and I are here to do is to help people be comfortable with exactly who they are. It's why I say, how's it going being you today? Because at the end of the day, living our lives is about being exactly who we are and feeling comfortable and not allowing any narrative or any pressure from the external world to shake the foundation of who we are from the inside out. So I'm proud of you and I'm excited about this conversation we're having. And I just feel strongly, anyone that's listening, we are not responsible for the happiness, success, failure, feelings, emotions, whatever you want to say for another person, even if it is our daughter, our son, our loved ones, whoever that is. So I'm my role today in this episode is really to reinforce the mother piece or the older older woman, the older woman piece in this to help people see that your life will be so much happier and you will feel so much more at ease and you will have a stronger, much more nourishing relationship with your sip, with your uh, children mm-hmm. and siblings. I was going to say siblings and friends and, and friends people and in your life people and your in community general. and just people in society general. on the whole. If we can, as a whole, just when we're not feeling something to step up and which is what I've been doing a lot over the years, especially during the pandemic, because so many people are like, Oh, is Michelle. Okay. She's been all by herself. <laughs> First of all, I thrive being alone. So, you know what? I I don't want to get into this yet because it's part of the later conversation. So, but- But can I just say something to that? And I know that you do. And I think people, this is the thing that's so important. I know. That's a part I want to get into. Okay, perfect. Um, It's a whole piece. Okay. This is my ship. But but when you were, and I appreciate everything you said, but when you were speaking, um, what came to me is- and what kind of encapsulates what I'm feeling right now in this moment about this conversation from Glennon Doyle, who obviously is a um, quite a leader in these kinds of conversations, but she said in Untamed, this life is mine alone. So I've stopped asking people for directions to places they've never been. I will not stay, not ever again, in a room or conversation or relationship or institution that requires me to abandon myself. And that really fully, you know, first of all, I'm not going to ask people to the directions to places they've never been. Most people don't know what I want for my life because they're not me. Just like I don't know what, you know, our lives are personal in the sense that they're unique and they're our own. So when people come up to you or to me or to anyone and be like, oh, aren't you so sad you're not married? Well, no, um, because you don't know me. But then also the second prong to this fork is I will not stay in a room conversation relationship or institution that requires me to abandon myself, which for me is that second half because there have been 
countless times in my life where I did do that for to stay in a relationship so that I wouldn't be alone and so that I could fit into the status quo. And I've reached a period in my life where I'm unwilling to do that again. I'm unwilling to settle. I'm unwilling to, again, like she says, um, abandon myself to keep the status quo. And that, of course, will leave you in places sometimes where you are alone. But, but that, for me, is the vow, to use your words from a previous episode, that I've made with myself where I it's just too important to me. And so well, that's a good quote to kind of get us started. But I feel like I wanted to, just to start off again, talking about this from my perspective, give a little... Um, history of my vantage point, you know, because if you had asked me when I was a kid or a teenager in college, if I would, that, you know, can you see yourself being in your thirties and unmarried? Like I would have told you absolutely not. And I probably would have been horrified to even think about that because I'm a sap. I'm a hopeless romantic. I love love. I love watching sappy movies. I love romance novels. I love the idea and the concept of, you know, healthy love. Um, and so, you know, I think that that's always been my quote unquote dream or goal, but I think that again, going through all of the phases of my life and going through different relationships and learning different lessons and going through different toxic dynamics and codependency and settling, you know, I am now in this place in my 30s where I don't have that idealized version that I thought that I would have as a, as a kid. However, I'm not sad. I'm not unhappy. I'm not lonely. I'm not unwell about it. Do I still want those things? Yeah, absolutely. But in the periods of time from my relationships to now, I've spent a lot of this time focusing on the relationship with myself so that I would never abandon myself again in a relationship, so that I would never feel afraid that I could lose myself with someone else. And so that I could really tap into my own sense of worth to know that I don't have to settle. And ultimately, I'm at a place where if you're not adding something to my life, I don't want it because I like my life. And I think that that's weird for people to hear when I say I like my life. And they're like, but you're not married. You're single. I can like my life and be single. I can be happy and fulfilled and, you know, satisfied with so many different aspects of my life, even though that that's not something that I have um, created yet. And I just, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, I have so many things I want to say I that know. like the thoughts are going through my mind so fast and I, I, I hope I'm weaving a clear narrative. Um, but if I'm not apologies, there's no, just a lot of thoughts. I think you are. And it's the emotion and the feelings. You have the strong conviction of who you are and it's what we, what, what we are actually here to share in this podcast. 
and especially on this episode, that the relationship that we have with ourselves is the most important relationship you will have in, in life. And it is the foundation of all of the other relationships that you will have. And this is what you have been doing for the longest period of time. You have really developed the most beautiful, strong relationship with yourself. It's not perfect. We are human beings. So you go up and down and there are all kinds of peaks and valleys and all the things. But what you just said is so profound. And it's what we all need to hear, especially if we're single, especially if we're a, we're a, we're a we're a woman or a, a person that's single and feeling like, oh my gosh, I need someone to complete me. Mm-hmm. I think there was no greater disservice for women. <laughs> I know where you're going. And I did like this movie until until this sentence came out. How it enrages her. Enrages me because in Jerry Maguire, when 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 the words you complete me. And Come on, we're complete on our own. Well, because we are. We, As you just beautifully said, we don't need another person to complete us. We're looking for other people to add to and be in, be in connection with the life that we're both trying to live or that you were trying to live. And so if it's not in alignment with what we're trying to do, it will be heartache. It will be tears. It will be drama. It will be difficult. And more often than not, as we see in the statistics, it will end in divorce or will end in separation or will end in a way that we wouldn't have wished otherwise. And so when people ask me, I want to say this to you, when people ask me, is it Michelle? <laughs> I mean, why, why is Michelle still single? Do you know what I say to them? I take a pause because that's my thing. Take a pause before you answer anything, especially something as deep as that. I look at them and I say, you know what? She's so strong and confident from within, and she's too smart. She's too strong, and she's too magnificent or fabulous to settle. I always say, you're, why would we settle when this is the one precious life that we have to live? And this is obviously a quote piece from Mary Oliver's poem, who I adore, why would we settle? So I guess my piece back to you, please keep on with this episode. And anyone listening, just maybe take a deep breath and think, are you settling? And of course we settle. And it doesn't, it, you know, I... I mean, I've settled for over half of my life in settle. relationships. Look, I'm going to... I'm 100%. Gonna say, there's no judgment. If, no. You, if you're like, oh, sh- crap. Sorry, I didn't want to... I don't want to get the expletive. It's okay. Um, no, you can't. And I just they're was, talking about me and they're judging me. This... This is all coming from experience from both of us. And I just want to say that there is no judgment ever. And if you are settling, you're in a good, you're in good company because I am for the, I've been saying, teasing on the podcast episodes. I've been teasing for quite a while now that I've been going through a three year tumultuous gasp. I'm sorry. No, 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 please go ahead. No, not just because of the pandemic, but I have been separated from a 30-year marriage for three years. And so it's, it's this, it's, I'm sure all those things that people were saying and asking me questions about you, why you're single, I'm sure all of the, mm-hmm. all of the conversation has been, no, I'm, I'm writing a story, so who knows, but certainly some of the people have said it to me. Wow. What, what's going on? Why, why, would, why would you do this? And, and as I said, I will discuss this in great detail and I will have so much to share with you over the next six to 12 months. 
But for right now, just take it as what I'm saying right now for the first time on a episode on this podcast. I am 65 years old going through a divorce after 30 years of being married. And I would have to say if anyone asks me today, which many have, and what can I do? How can we fix it? What Could they help me fix it? Especially people that have known me for all these years. And I say to them, my life is too important to settle and my life matters. Hmm. So I'm saying that to you, Michelle, and anyone out there that's listening, that our lives matter. We matter. And until we can actually really get that deep within our being, it is already deep within our being, actually. We just have to really tap into it that we matter so much. And it doesn't mean don't go turn your life upside down right now, but it just means to start developing, as Michelle, you say so beautifully during these episodes, developing that strong, loving relationship with yourself, because I think that's what you're here to talk about today. With everything that you're sharing, you can feel from you that you really love, trust, and care about yourself completely. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Completely. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I, we had talked, the one thing we did talk about before recording this is you had mentioned you might feel up for sharing that. And I said, there is no pressure to, because this is your own story. And that was very brave. So thank you. And, you know, the whole point, my intention for this episode was just, if anybody is listening and like, oh, that's me, I, I, at least someone out there relates. Mm -hmm. And now I think you've just added another layer to that. So that's so um, helpful and beautiful because there's my generation and there's your generation and, and probably everything in between that's feeling this. And I think that representation of I'm not alone in these feelings and it's okay to be in this position, obviously, but it, I think just that acknowledgement is really helpful. And I thank you, Michelle. And I want to just say, I love your, you are so wise. Thanks, mom. That is why I shared it. I shared it because I want people to understand you are not alone. And what has happened for me in these past three years and probably leading up to it. So I, I have settled greatly, but probably leading up to this place where I am today is exactly what you just said, that I no longer, the, the fear and the I guess fear. There feels like there's another emotion that I've had. I'm, I'm not really tapping into it right now, but let's just say fear because it is fear. The fear of abandoning myself and not being allowed to be exactly who I am and feel comfortable in my own skin is greater than the fear of being alone or not married or whatever that stigma is that society places upon us if you're a female and you don't have a partner, mm-hmm. whatever that partner is, whatever. Right. Uh, uh, situation, whatever relationship it is. So I think that's what you're also saying today, what I was hearing and what what made me feel so um, willing and so uh, not eager, but just so vulnerable myself to be able to share because it's it's like tapping into the fear. We all have so many fears, but the 
there is a fear of being lonely. And that's what most people would say to me over the years about you not being married or you not being in a relationship. Aren't you afraid for her? No. Why would I be afraid for you? Because you don't have a partner. And I find it so interesting too, because I know when I've been a part of this conversation and I've heard people say it to you, you know, and this isn't me trying to fluff myself up, but people say, Michelle, you're so beautiful. You're so smart. You're so wise. You're so successful. You're so talented. How does someone like you, how have you not found a man yet? And it's like, in some way, I'm like, I know you're, you're trying to compliment me by saying all of that, but also you're negating everything about my life to, to hone in on the one thing that you think is my faults that I don't have and that it's a problem again, that's something that needs to be fixed. And I say this just so that we can start to pay attention to the words that we use in this conversation, because why is it that I could, according to the people that have said this to me through their eyes and through their perspective, have all of those qualities that are qualities that we all want to have, I think, you know, smart, successful, talented, driven, attractive, but none of that matters because I don't have a partner. And I just wish that, and even when, when I meet people new too, and they're like, Oh, Michelle, wait, you're not married. Yeah. People are, I got to find someone to set you up with. And then, it, and then it becomes the only thing that they are focused on in our relationship. And I know, I know that it comes from a kind place. Like they want to be the one that'll, you know, get me over the finish line in this regard. But it becomes so much weird pressure of like, why is it ever, does, why does it feel like everyone's responsibility to find me someone and I can't just be myself in this situation and you can't enjoy me for whatever it is that I bring to the situation that's at hand and have that be okay? Why is it that I need to be able to say, oh yeah, I, my husband's at home. Don't worry. You don't have to worry about that. Or like my, I'm meeting my boyfriend later, so don't worry about it. Um, it's just become so fascinating to me that that's where people default in conversation, especially, well, I, in my twenties too, but in my twenties, I had a boyfriend. So people never approach me. They're like, oh, good for you. How's your boyfriend? You know, and you were miserable, but it didn't matter. Yeah, they didn't care yeah, exactly. that it was the toxic, yeah. codependent, dysfunctional relationship that lasted seven years of my 20s, which is like the peak time to really date and cultivate that muscle of dating. They were just care. They, they just, they just cared for that you. you were complete and you had someone. Good for you. Yeah. You know, and then dating other people here and there in between. Um well, being single. It's just, it's its fascinating to me that that's where the default is. Yeah. And I just, I, I encourage people to just be mindful because luckily I'm far enough along in my journey with myself where I don't take it personally anymore, but I used to. Mm -hmm. I don't digest and um, internalize those comments, but I used to. I used to say, oh, that person must really think I'm a chump because I'm not married. Or even so, thinking about all my exes who must know that I'm still not married and thinking, oh, they really think they won this situation because they have all moved on and I'm still single. They must think I'm such a chump. And you used to get mad at me when friends would ask me and you'd say, mom, how can you be friends with those people? Like you would get, it would rile you up. What people? 
any of my friends that would say, is Michelle oh, oh, still oh. married? You know, does, does Michelle, I mean, yeah, is, yeah. is Michelle not married? Yeah, is yeah. Michelle no, not, it's, it's is everywhere. Michelle so, st- so you would get mad. You would say, how can you be friends with those people when they ask you that question? No, I mean, is I Michelle get it. still single? But I used to really get triggered yeah, by it. It's normal. And it's still, it is natural. You know, I, I have moments where I'm like, man, I'm really being judged hardcore by a group of people in my mind, it's yeah. not actually in my face about my life choices. Well, that's why we're having this conversation to to be to be the change in the narr- to be the change in changing the narrative, changing yes. the system. It's because really a system that exists in our in our culture that being single is not easy. Right. It's not a walk in the park. Let's say just by reference of the movie. Uh, Jerry Maguire and and you complete me because people have this opinion that you're not compl- you're not okay you're not happy unless you're complete with another person. I mean, even think about even think about this. I remember in the early days of my meditating and and all of the things that I was doing, my retreats and all the things I did all of that on my own. I went by myself. I I, I always went by myself. Had no issues going by myself because I felt confident because this is what I needed to do for me. And so I remember one day going out to lunch by myself. I am comfortable going out to dinner or going to a movie or I'm comfortable doing things by myself. So I went out to a lunch by myself. I remember running into a friend and she said, well, who are you waiting for? Mm-hmm. I said, oh, nobody. I'm just, I'm just having lunch before I go to my next meeting or whatever it was. Oh, well, call me next time. I'll be happy to join you. Yeah. Which she meant, it's, I think it's what you're saying. People mean it in the most loving, caring way. But I think what I would love to start doing with this conversation and what might happen maybe with with sharing all of this with all of you is could we start to change the narrative that we can be at lunch without another person and be totally happy and yeah. secure. And I mean, and I've traveled often alone and people are like, you're not going with anyone? Don't you feel weird that you're not with your boyfriend in Italy? Don't you feel weird that you're alone in Bali? What do you do? And again, this is no judgment because it's, it's very hard for some people. I feel very grateful to be okay being alone. And I know that for some people that is not easy. There's lots of aspects that go into feeling comfortable alone based on your own lived experience. But it's been very important for me to cultivate that within myself. But again, going back to what I... And we're here to say you're not alone. You said that earlier. I love that. That this episode is to, if it is uncomfortable to be alone and you are alone and you're you're struggling or you're feeling like something's wrong with you, you're, we're here to say there's nothing wrong with you and you're not alone. Right. You know, we're here with you having lunch if you're living in California and we're in Florida, we're here li- with you having lunch by ourselves. Right. You're not alone. Right. But what I was saying is these are the choices that I've made. This isn't, I'm not a victim to my life circumstances. Again, certainly baby Michelle would have wanted something different. But I also know if I had conscientiously chosen something differently, I could have been able to tick that box 10 years ago if I really, really wanted to and settle for something just because I thought that I needed to, but I've chosen, I've chosen differently. And so even though it might be hard and I might oftentimes say to myself, what, what the heck, 
Why does it take so long to find someone? Or, you know, the clock is ticking if I want kids. I mean, that's a whole added layer when you get into your mid-30s and people talk about like geriatric pregnancies, which is such a crazy term. I think they start calling it a geriatric pregnancy at 35. You know, so that's an added layer of stress. But I know I could have, I could have had it at 25 if I wanted it. And I could have had it up until now if I, if I wanted it, but I wanted to settle. But I, I value not settling more than ticking the box. And so I'm at this place that I'm in right now. And again, to reiterate, I'm happy. I'm fulfilled. I'm content. I'm creatively inspired. I feel success within my life and my work. And I still hold the belief that I can have the things that I want. You know, you always tell me to believe. And and oftentimes at the end of the year, starting a new year, I, I do a process of choosing an intention word for the year. And this year I chose believe. And you were like, you know, believe is your word because you still have to believe in the visions of the life that you really want to have. And of course, and this could change. I'm not married <laughs> pun intended, <laughs> to whatever vision because life is always changing. But I still hold that vision of the things that I want for my life right now. And that does include a partner and a family and things like that. But I also know that my life is my own and my timeline is my own. And those things will happen in the right time. I know that's a little bit woo-woo to talk about divine timing, but for me, it's that letting go of the control because I cannot control it. Again, if I wanted to control it, I could go on a dating app tomorrow, swipe right on someone and probably, you know, be in a relationship in a month. If I was going to probably, huh? A day probably. If I was going to, you know, lower, you know, not if I just was trying to get to the end goal without any of the variables that I want in between, but I don't want to settle because like I said, I want someone to add something to my life. I want a healthy relationship. I've I've seen so much dysfunction in relationships in my life and my our family. Not I mean, no, true. you know, no, no, and true. in my own it's experience true. that I do not want to I want to be a cycle breaker. I do not want right. to repeat that. I do not want to carry those dynamics into my next iteration of family. All that being said, the second piece of this conversation that's so fascinating to me is that, again, I am not alone. I have many, many, many handfuls of girlfriends that are also in this same boat. I know because I keep reading about the trends, there was a recent article, I can't remember in what publication of that women are single more than ever because of this same dynamic. And so it really makes me believe that this is part of a, a paradigm shift of our society where you don't have to, you know, go to college to get your MRS degree and come out with a fiance and get married and have kids at 23 or whatever, 25, which if you do again, it is fine. But, you know, there's other options. And, you know, one of my very good friends, Danielle, um, we talk, we've talked throughout the entire pandemic and I don't think she would mind me sharing this because we're in similar boats about this relationship situation, but we talk about that maybe 
the silver lining of this is like us personally, but our generation, these, this group of, of people in this moment in time are part of ushering in this new paradigm where women can not be looked at as spinsters or less than or damaged or weak because they're in their thirties and they're single. And to me, that's a cool silver lining to think that maybe in some future version of the world, it's not a weird thing and there's not this weird pressure and you can be valued for who you are and what you bring to the world and what you accomplish and what you create and not like who lives in your house with you, basically. Um, and so I just think that there is a shift. I think, you know, Gen Z probably gets it a lot more too. Like, I, I think they're like, who cares about, you know, getting married or whatever, maybe. But um, I just, it's definitely a trend that I've noticed and so many of these girlfriends that I've been talking about that are single in their 30s, in their 40s, they aren't willing to settle and they want to find someone that adds to their lives. And so I think it's it's a, a game of knowing your worth and your value and what you want and not letting your ego, I guess, or the fears in your mind or society, society pressures... pressures scare you out of the path of following that. Beautifully said, Michelle. And what's interesting too is our colleague Lawrence, we love stats. She sent me some stats about singledom. Um, and what shocked me the most, according to the U.S. census data in 2019, 41% of U.S. adults are unmarried or not living with a partner. That shocks me. It does me too. I mean, it shouldn't because I just said I have all these friends yeah. and all these people. but And that goes to show you just how warped the societal narrative is because we're made to believe that we're the last. Like I, for so long, I'm like, I am the last single person I know, which is insane because it's so not true. But that's the narrative. You know, I go to weddings. I don't have a partner. I'm the only one. I go to baby showers. I'm the only one that's not having a baby shower. You know, I go to events solo and you feel like you're the last single person. But look at this data, 41% of US adults. And they send you the invitation, Michelle Merrill's plus one <laughs> or whatever it is, plus guest or whatever. And you reply back without the plus one. You've told me so many times. And and really the truth is what you just said with this uh, statistics that Lauren sent us that really what, what it is showing is there is a shift in consciousness. There's a shift in understanding that we matter. Uh, all individuals, all people matter. And so we're starting to take note. And that's what I think when I was saying that you're not alone if you're having difficulty eating alone or whatever that whole thing is about being alone. Because I think what's starting to happen, and this is what has me so, as a 65-year-old woman, has me so encouraged that before I depart this plane of uh, this, this, this version of this physical life, it's, it's really making me feel so hopeful that people are starting to understand, really, it's a lot, Michelle, of what we teach here or what we're helping to try to share with our own experiences. What we're hoping to help people feel is when, when, you're, when, you, are, when you are not with another person, you actually have the opportunity to start figuring out what you want for your life like you have done. Mm -hmm. at, thir at in your mid thirties, you actually start to figure out that 
How can I actually become financially responsible for myself? Well, and again, also not having a partner is a, is a privilege because most, you know, societally and historically speaking, you would need to be married to be financially stable. You know, in the old days of being married to have a man, to have a home and to have someone work for you so that you can be stable. It is a as a privilege to be financially stable so that you can be alone. And be financially responsible. See, that's the thing I was trying to key in on. When you don't have another person, you have to learn how to be, like, this is what I'm trying to say. There is a, there is a, as you use a lot, the silver lining idea, you, you actually understand what it means to take care of yourself. How do you make yourself your priority? You start to start getting that feeling because I think that is what has happened for you as cultivating this, your dream in your twenties or teens was about having a person and here you are now in your mid thirties and, and you don't have that person yet, but look what all you do have. And the idea and the thing that's happened the most, and I can speak to this being a 65 year old person. I say that a lot. I say 65 a lot, don't I, sweetie? It's okay. Being Own it. You're owning your sixties. Is what I, what I have to say so much is you, I am a really confident human being. And so if, if you're, if, if anything, you're feeling like I don't have a partner, I don't have someone I'm sharing my life with right now, think of it as this is your training for cultivating the confidence from within you, because I am such a confident human being. And I think it's that confidence that has helped me not feel that my life, oh my gosh, I got to go find someone now at 65. I don't feel that way at all. I feel really confident that the relationship that I have with myself is so grounded and so loving and so strong. If another person comes, great. If another person doesn't come, great. It's it's that being okay with what is, with truly what is happening and unfolding in the moment. So I just wanted to share that, that you, I, I think two things, I enjoy my own company. Mm-hmm. It's why I can go have lunch by myself and not have a care. And I don't have my phone with me usually. I, I mean, I put it in my bag. And, and I f- I'm confident and secure and, and loving about who I am and what I want for my life. Yeah. And it's, but it doesn't mean that I wouldn't be happy also if someone, right. as you said, yes. this is what you said so beautifully and say it again, maybe it's not like you've closing the door on, Hey, okay. I'm my own boss. I'm my own thing. <laughs> no, you're open to whatever life you're open to every, that Eckhart Tolle quote, being open to the present moment, whatever the present moment has for you. Accept it as if you had chosen it. Accept it as if you had chosen it. So being open and receptive to whatever the present moment presents. Yeah. And it's also letting go of the narrative that surrounds you, that people are saying to you, that people are putting onto you. You know, years ago, pre-COVID, I was having a conversation with a very successful, probably your age, 60 something year old woman, um, who was recently single, I mean, a, a celebrity, a successful in every aspect of her life. And she was like, people are giving me such grief that I'm not dating. And it's just like, ugh. look at you. you you're you like a badass in every aspect of life that so many people look up to and are inspired by, but people are giving you grief because you're not dating yet. Like, can we not discount people's lives based on their romantic partner status? It's, it's mind blowing. 
And so I, I think I say that to say, again, there's so many people on the spectrum that are going through this. And I think that the more that we have these conversations and kind of out the elephant in the room of like, look, we don't have to talk about this this way. It doesn't have to be this way. We can start to feel comfortable because again, another stat from Lauren, from the Pew Research, 31% of Americans are single and half of them are not looking to date. The main reason they're not looking to date is they report being happier single and having more important priorities than dating. You know, just because you're single doesn't mean you're unhappy. And like you said, you can live your life and feel a sense of independence and go after your goals and, and build your dream life. And that is okay. I don't have any more to add. I think that's a, I love that. Give yourself permission. I think I would end my own piece on this. And I do think we should probably have another episode or two on this because I think it could be. Please send in your messages. Yeah, if this resonates for you, yeah. Or or there are aspects of this that you'd like for us to touch on. Because like I said, there's a plethora of thoughts running through my mind about it. And I'm I'm sure we're going to end this recording and I'm going to be like, oh, I forgot to say this. So, um, we can definitely do more conversations about this, but I, th- I'm, I just want to say, I, I'm going to end mine. <laughs> I was just okay. going to say, go ahead. It's, there was a book out when I was really, really young. Um, it's okay. Wait a minute. Is it? I'm okay. You're okay. I'm okay. You're okay. Thank Wait, you so much. That was a weird telepathic yeah, situation you because you said that. there was a book and I almost just said that yeah. and I have no idea why. Yeah. Because I've never even read that book. Yeah. And I think, I think wow. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, necessarily, I'm not necessarily advocating to read the book. You don't really need to, but just the title, I'm okay. You're okay. For me today, uh, probably 40 years later, I probably read that in my, my late twenties. I'm okay. You're okay. We are okay. I, that's why I, did, I didn't speak after you ended your sentence, after, after <laughs> you ended your, your comments, because we are okay. You Please stop thinking that you need to be fixed or stop thinking that something is wrong with you. Certainly, we all probably need places in our lives that we need to take a look at and be mindful of and course correct or break the cycle or do the things. I'm not saying that we're perfect, but we certainly, you don't have to be fixed. There should never be another human being that says you need to be fixed. Maybe you need care. Maybe you need love. Maybe you need some attention. But I think that idea of thinking that there's something wrong with us and that we need to be fixed so that I'm okay, you're okay. But also there's a whole a whole new generation of language that I really love, that it's okay not to be okay. Mm-hmm. That it's okay not to be. And I, I interpret that as, because I take everything that I read and hear and I like to reinterpret it as how, how does it, what does it mean to me and how does it affect me and what do I think about it? It's okay not to be okay. It's okay if you're not following all the society ideas and thoughts. So I love that word okay. So when you ended that that sentence with okay, I thought that's a great okay. that's a great place for me to settle in this beautiful conversation settle with you, but not Michelle. Settle. No, just to just to marinate. I know, I'm to marinate joking. or be be comfortable and be at ease. That okay. <laughs> okay. Cause for me, okay is Huh, I can take a deep breath. Yes. All is well in this moment and we are all okay. It is okay. Yes. To be exactly who we are. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle, for this conversation. 
Thank you for this conversation. It was, I've, I've very much enjoyed this, even though I was very nervous about it. Um, it feels good to talk about it and kind of be open and honest about it. Because as I said, this isn't something I talk about a lot publicly because there's that weird shame still that, you know, of course comes up about it. And I think the more that we talk about it, the less shame that we feel and the more confidence and okayness that you're talking about can, can come up. And that's a great thing because we all have unique life paths and life experiences and no two lives are the same. So why should we spend our precious time and energy trying to force ourselves into a timeline that's not maybe not ours? And thinking that we know better than the timeline of our lives, that we have to force ourselves to fit into these boxes in certain periods of time. You know, it's our lives can be can be really beautiful when we just lean back and and let life unfold as we make aligned actions and take aligned choices. So it's okay. So, it's okay to be single. And fulfilled at any age. Yes, it is. Beautiful. I wrote a... Beautiful. <laughs> she's, she took that. I wrote a, Beautiful. Um, a piece called that. I'll link it in the show notes a few years ago. <laughs> and it still tracks. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Barb Knows Best and for being such a lovely, supportive, kind community We are very, very grateful um, for all of you who listen every single week. As always, if you would like to stay in touch with us, which we hope that you will, and you have questions, comments, concerns, or even want to have us talk about this more, please connect with us on social media at Barb Knows Best Pod, at Peaceful Barb, and at Michelle Maros. Additionally, please make sure that you are liked and subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify. And if you haven't yet, give us a nice review and five-star rating if you feel so compelled because that helps us greatly. Thank you so much again for listening and being with us. Thank you, Mom. If anyone out there thinks that they have a partner for me, please let me know. Kidding, but not kidding. Very funny. Um, And we'll talk to you next week because as we know, Barb knows best. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.